I think that's the commonality between woodworkers. Um, we we have to. Uh, not everything goes right, and so you can't beat yourself up about it. And uh, we roll with the punches. That's the voice of Daryl Dunn, owner of Dunswood, and I'm excited to talk with him right after a quick word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Jobber. Jobber is software to organize and manage your business. From quoting a project, to getting paid, to everything in between, Jobber software brings everything together to make projects easy to manage and customers happy, giving you more time in your day and getting you paid faster. Go to getjobber.com Ethan or check out the link in the show notes for a free 14-day trial of Jobber. And if you try it now, you get 20% off your first six months when you sign up. Hello and welcome to Building a Furniture Brand with Ethan Abramson, the show that talks about the business behind the furniture business. On this episode, I sit down with Daryl Dunn, owner of the San Antonio, Texas-based furniture company, Dunswood. Daryl has been running his own successful furniture company since 2014. He's been putting in the work for a long time, and it shows. The last few years, he's really been hitting his stride. With a packed client list, a fast-growing book of press, even adding employees to the shop, Daryl has stuck with his own vision, his own rules, his own artistic sensibilities, and it's truly paying off for him. On this episode, we sit down to talk about how he's grown his business, his views on the industry, his own personal rule book for success, and much more. Daryl is very much a people person, someone who you would gather around to listen to him speak. So enough of the intro, let's hear his story in his own words. My father was the Air Force Chief Master Sergeant when he retired. I'm a military brat, so we never did any woodworking. I've never gone to school for any woodworking. So to come across it for the first time was um, was an eye opener, you know. Uh, so here's here's the legend. Here's, here's how the legend goes. I'd say seven years ago in the spring, uh, my best friend, Mike, who was a carpenter by trade, I said, let's try something fun. We'll make a bed. Simple enough, it blew my mind. It was really the spark that got me uh, curious about woodworking. And so months go by, I go buy my local Harbor Freight here in San Antonio and I buy a circular saw and drive around trying to find some shipping pallets and uh, found some, took them home and said, all right, let's, let's, let's see what this does. And uh, that was the catalyst. And seven years later, I've, I still use only reclaimed wood. I, I, I don't buy material. I don't know if any of your, your other guests do that, but I'm one of those guys. And, uh, and uh, I love it. I love going out, finding wood, being amazed why people would throw this gold away and uh, just using that as a canvas to make a wide variety of things, man. I couldn't even, it's, it's incalculable how many different things I've made with stuff that I find. So that's, that's the origin story. I love it. I love how you think of your work as functional art. 
And that is an exciting place to be because you're not making a chair. You're making a piece of art that Mm -hmm. at the end becomes a chair. You're not making a bed. You're making something that becomes that. And that imagination is something that that can keep you passionate about what you're building day in and day out. And it, it's a job obviously, but it it can keep you, it can keep you guessing. It can keep you surprising yourself. Right. Right. And, and built into that, I, I have a, I have a list of rules that I go by as dumb as it sounds. Um, again, I have to use in my, in my, my, in the Dunswood rule book, we'll call it that. I'm just making that up. Um, I have to use what I find. Um, every piece that I make has to be different, which is kind of built in because I use what I find. And so my inventory is always changing. The wood I have is always changing, which translates to everything that I make is not the same. Could be a crutch, could be just the way I operate, but I like that challenge. Um, having to constantly, if I'm making a table, well, I can't do that table. I just did that table. I have to do a similar table with the twist. And and so that keeps it fresh for me. That keeps it not feeling like, oh man, I have my light bill up next. Oh man, I got my phone bill up next. It's not, uh, it's, it keeps it from being work. And it, and it, is, an, it is an art form for me. Um, I try to express how I'm feeling, what I'm listening to, and in my music and and my stress all into this piece, like a painter, but I can't draw. Now, keeping it creative is very helpful on your end, so you can go in each day and enjoy what you're doing, but I have to imagine it's a little hard on the client end because people who build stuff and make stuff, they can see it in their head, but a lot of clients can't see it in their head and don't have that imagination of what they want. And they look at your website or they look at inspiration images and they say, I want that. And if they're looking at your website and they say, I want that, and then you have to pull out your rule book and say, I'm sorry, here, number rule number three. I can't, I can't make that again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How, it sounds ridiculous. Right? No, not at all. It does. It doesn't sound ridiculous. Everybody runs their business differently. And if that is right. what keeps you going then and keeps right. you growing and, and keeps your, your skills and your imagination expanding, then, then I'm, I'm all for it. I'm just wondering What's the, what's the conversation like with a client who says, because custom, yeah, custom furniture is already hard enough. And then putting boundaries on the types that you can make or or the the repeat types that you can make. So let's talk a little bit about that initial conversation you have with a customer. Well, how I talk to you is how I talk to everyone. My, my thought process is I need to be upfront and honest with this person no matter what. And with that, you know, I, 
I know I'm not for every client, but the clients that do come to me, they've obviously seen my work. Um, I make sure that they've seen my work and I explain to them why I don't feel like you should have the same thing this person had. I want to make something for you. It might, it may have traits of what that previous piece was, but this is specifically for you. I think it's that simple, you know, and, and if it doesn't work out, then that's fine. But I haven't had an opportunity where it hasn't worked out. Knock on wood, pardon the pun. And I think that idea plays in perfectly with the medium that you use with the, the reclaimed wood with the salvaged lumber, because no two pieces are the same. You're not going to the lumber yard and grabbing no. eight, eight boards of four quarter walnut and you're not grabbing right. oak veneer. Every single piece of wood that you get has its own story. And so that definitely right. lends itself to this type of right. practice that you're doing. It would probably be even harder for you to make the same thing twice because not oh, all not all pieces are the same it's daunting and having and having to try to find consistent amounts of of the same wood is is a challenge in itself uh san antonio is a big city i think it's the seventh largest city and i have routes all over town where i know i can find if i need length if i'm doing big pieces which i typically do um, I do uh, like the barn doors. I, I just did some barn doors for my for repeat client. Uh, total of of six barn doors. Uh, the two large ones were 80 inches by 100 uh, by 100 inches with tempered glass. The tempered glass I found some some recycled sliding doors for for an apartment. These were massive doors, so I knew okay. I need to go to this particular industrial park where I'm going to find this length that I need. And so it's it's kind of like a, a squirrel going out to get his nuts and then coming back to his little hole. Uh, this is the central hub, but I'm, I'm expansive around the city. But I have to be to keep up with demand, um, to keep from paying these absorbent material costs, which is which is crazy. Uh, the the good carpenters, I don't know how they do it. Well, that leads me into a question that I always like to ask people who use reclaimed wood, and that is about your pricing. Because pricing is hard enough for furniture makers on a good day when they know all the cost of their materials and can lay that out and base pricing on that. When you're getting all your materials for free, yes, there's the labor involved and the sweat and the time, but you right. don't have fixed costs for your materials. For example, right. these doors that you made you knew that they wanted glass. And if somebody else was making a door that had glass in it, they would be able to call up a glass company and say, how much is the glass right. and build that into the price. But as somebody right. who's doing completely salvaged, how do you work your pricing for your clients when you don't know the material 
before you start? Right. That is the one trillion thousand dollar question. Uh, <laughs> it's one thing that I struggle with. Um, I, I struggle with pricing to begin with because what I do is so different from from what's out there. If, if you understand where I'm coming from, because a lot of it are original pieces and a lot of it are clients show me a picture and say, hey, this is what I want, but I want it in your style. So for, for smaller things like coffee table, I, I'll, I'll Google 10 sources of something similar and then try to find out what the average price would be. And then also price what, what my heart feels, my gut feels like it's worth. So what, what I struggle with is, is the crossroad between um, my artistic vision of what I'm doing and what I guess the market deems as, as that should be the cost. It's a dilemma. So to get around that, I, I, I try to factor in, you know, the square footage of what you're doing. Um, how free are, are, are my clients with, with what they want me to do? Do I have artistic liberty on this piece? And that's one of the questions that I ask, you know, are you wanting it a traditional farmhouse style, which I, which I can do, or do you want it um, a more artistic flair on, on what you see on this page? And um, if they want something farmhouse, that's easy to, to try to find an average pricing of something. But I have to say that I get emotionally I, I get emotionally tied with the pieces that I make. So it, it's kind of I don't know if I have a good answer for you, brother. It's it's um, it's a dilemma that I, I face with every piece. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. And Obviously, it's always good to know pricing. It's always good to have an idea of what you want to walk away from a piece with. But right. there are different ways that people approach their pricing. And there is the, the button down. Every single I is dotted. Every single T is crossed. And people who are incredibly successful doing it that way and then there's people who like you who see it more as an artistic pursuit and would rather put more effort in and maybe get less from the final deposit than right then just let it out of your shop and and not feel good about it you like you said you get emotionally invested in each piece and when it comes down to it as long as you're making money or being successful or feeling good about how you're doing it then that is the way that works for you i, I don't want to say that you should give all your pieces away and i don't want to say that no. you should <laughs> not price correctly or that you should spend a hundred hours on a piece when you only budgeted 40 but i hear right. what you're saying and i hear that you have a good head for this and have over the years you've you've built up your muscle memory for pricing and maybe you don't right. 
take everything out of it that you you initially thought, but you feel good about it and you get repeat clients, that's a way to work as well. Right. Well, I in the, in the beginning, my my pricing was was just horrendous. I was short selling myself completely. And, you know, through time, like you said, the muscle memory, I know what it takes to get what the end result is. So long story short, I, I don't draw very well at all. And I don't sketch any of my pieces. So I, maybe I'm cheating, maybe because I know what it's going to look like in the end, immediately from, from the conversation with the client. And it's just a matter of getting there. I, I struggle with do I charge X amount of dollars per hour? You know, sometimes I wake up at four o'clock in the morning and want to work on it and work for a couple hours, take a nap then work all day the next day. It's, it's, it's very hard for me to factor in, okay, it takes X amount of hours to complete this when I don't know when it's ready until something tells me it's ready. <laughs> it's it's a weird it's a weird paradox that's where i'm at i i i'm probably real loosey-goosey about how i do my business maybe some structure would definitely help me but i'm kind of just freestyling it and that might sound bad but that's the way i operate well it sounds bad and i i want to i, I want to discourage any of your viewers to do what i'm doing <laughs> no, not not at all. I, I think I think it sounds bad, but only out of context. With context, it makes perfect sense. So I'm going to put an asterisk on it so people understand what we're talking about. And maybe the way you're talking about it, like it is loose and you're just you're 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 feeling loose about it. But the way you can be loose about it is because you've done it for so many years that you have that backbone for the pricing. I don't want people to listen to this and think, oh, he just makes up pricing. That's what I should do. And they start a furniture company no, and no. they and they just start no. throwing out prices because that's not what, you know, no. that's not what you're doing. No, no, forgive me. Let me let me try to clarify it. Um, over time, I've, I've done this and I've shortchanged myself compared to um, the equivalent of what I find in different marketplaces. And and I'm at the point where I know, yes, this this is a correct pricing. And then I'll, and I'll do my searching and, and find out that nine times out of 10, my gut feeling is the correct approach. Um, so I have a gut feeling of what the price should be compared to the work that I've done. Also feedback from clients they say, wow, that's such a great price, which tells me that, okay, I probably could have charged more um, and not feel like I shortchanged myself. I built a memory on what my work is worth. I, I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Exactly. And just wanted to make sure everybody knows that you have to, you know, it, it's the, it's the Allen Iverson practice interview. It's that you... <laughs> It's that you've done it. You've you've practiced enough that when it comes game day, you can show up and you don't, you know, pricing? Yeah. What are you yeah. what are you talking about? Pricing? We're, we're pricing? talking about pricing. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've done the practice. Exactly. Man. 
We're, I, I'm growing, I'm growing. And, and, you know, part of it is if, if you do something every day of your life and your neighbors and, and your whole community see you outside every day, it's, it's been about that kind of synergy. You know, my, my neighbors rooting me on and, and supporting me. It's all about building a community and we are all so connected worldwide now. It's just in our pocket is access to every single place on this planet. And right. sometimes we forget that local is still important and building a community is still important. And, and you've built that community and people are always reaching for for the worldwide recognition but sometimes when and that's great but sometimes when you're running a business for your own bottom line it helps to be recognized in your own community in your local area you were just on the cover of san antonio magazine because right. that right is where a majority of your business is coming from especially if you're doing custom stuff so how right. have you gotten besides besides people just seeing you in your shop how have you gotten your name out there in your community to have been successful for so many years that was that was my initial question when i um another long story short i was in telemarketing before this before i found woodworking and so I'm in my garage and I, I said, okay, how do I get beyond this cul-de-sac? How do I get more customers to kind of, um, how do I be seen? And then I think the second year into woodworking, um, a, a local news channel did a, did a spot on there, uh, it was essay stories, San Antonio stories. So. Uh, the digital journalist, uh, Adrian Garcia, uh, came out, filmed me at my house, and that picked up momentum. But I, I, I guess I could just say that making all of my work visible was a big thing for me. And it also allowed people to see my growth along the way, you know. Um, I would put ads on Facebook, on Craigslist. I drive up to Austin or out to Houston to deliver furniture. Um, real kind of underground. I, it sounds weird, but I don't. I didn't know any woodworkers, and I and I barely looked at at YouTube to kind of figure out how to do. There was a few few people on on YouTube that I would follow, and I watched those videos, and it was and it kind of told me, all right, there's really no rules to this game. And I, I guess I could kind of still live by that, but it allowed me to be free enough to start just making new things, just constantly all day, every day, making things and keep trying to improve on those things that I make. And in time, there's a, there's a, if you go further enough back in my Instagram, far enough back in my Instagram, you can see the progression. And that's probably my, my proudest moment. Um, 
quitting the job and just saying, hey, I'm going to focus entirely on this goal here and nothing else matters was my thought process at the time. And, and I guess I was, I was right to trust in my instinct and doing it because it is paying off for me. You know, I've, I've in, in some of the, the, the podcasts that you, that I've listened of, of your show, you know, the importance of having a, a full-time job to support your, your endeavor. And, um, I did that, you know, in a roundabout way, I kind of, I kind of cheated. Um, so I quit this telemarketer job to focus on woodworking and teaching myself everything I could about, um, about the craft. You know, I have all these old, uh, this old house books, all the old vintage woodworking books. But I was reading and looking at all these photos, these all these diagrams of, of different things to make. And I said, you know, what is the best way for me to have a full-time job and, and still pursue my, my, my art, artistic endeavor, still pursue Dunswood, what I want to do, right? So lo and behold, one of my customers, I was building my first set of barn doors for um, at the same time, I was doing an art piece for uh, Brick in the Blue Star, which is a huge art complex here in San Antonio, on the south town of San Antonio. Beautiful art complex. Um, so I, um, I'm building these barn doors and I'm building uh, this art piece for the show. And uh, I needed a piece of prowl molding for the front of this bookshelf for the art piece that had a Victorian look. And she said, uh, my client said, well, I'm going to the cabinet shop that we have our cabinets custom made at. Uh, why don't you come with me? The moment I stepped in that shop, I knew that was it. Mind you, I'm covered in sawdust. And I meet the manager, Mike, the owner, Mike. And I said, are you hiring? And Mike says, uh, no, but yes. And... I spent three years learning all the gaps that I was missing from what I, what I taught myself. And I exploded. I would take everything I learned from the cabinet shop and um, it's like it accelerated my, the learning process. I'm no longer at the shop. I still help out from time to time over there but it got to a point where I had to make a choice. Do I have this list of clients waiting because I'm spending so much time at the cabinet shop or do I just jump in and just see if I sink or float? And uh, again, I think I've made the right choice for myself. In this, in this industry, I've learned over the years and it's something that I can't say it enough, even though I say it a lot that people take different roads to get to success and your path, your road is not, and should not be the exact same path 
that somebody else takes. But right. people hear your story and aspects of it, they can take away and they right. can use to create their own road or they can hear right, right. things you're doing and say, that sounds a lot like me. That sounds a lot like where right. I am at this point. And maybe the destination is different, but just to know that somebody else is out there with similar experiences and has been right. through these similar experiences, then that is very eye-opening for a lot of people. Right, right. I think I was searching for that answer. You know, what do I do? And then my dad, rest his soul, uh, the best compliment he's ever gave me, first time he saw my woodworking, uh, he said, this is the most consistent thing you have ever done. And uh, I, I cherish that, you know what I mean? That gave me every ounce of courage I need to go, you know what, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. Yeah, it's, it's, there's, there's a foundation and it's different for everyone, but there is a foundation for what you do and a reason you do it and a reason you push through on the bad days and the reason you absolutely can cherish the good days. And that is the foundation that you built and continue to grow from. Absolutely, brother. There are a lot of people who are in your exact same position that you were, that they want to get into the woodworking world. They want to get into the furniture business and right. they don't know where to start. Or there's people who have right. been doing it for a while and they're just not getting the type of returns they're looking for in their business as somebody who's been doing this for a long time and who has really looked at the entire furniture business in a very well-rounded way what is some advice that you could give to people who are out there who are looking to be successful like you have been Right. I, you know what? I love that question because I was searching for that answer and I, and I found that answer. Um, I would, I would tell them, you know, keywords of advice from, from my standpoint, and that probably doesn't apply to everyone, but from what I've learned and, and from what I've been doing, uh, going on eight years now, you're not going to be good at the beginning. So it's okay to practice with wood that you find. It's okay to, to buy the lesser expensive tool because you're still learning. Once you get that mastered, then you can spend extra money to buy the really top of the line stuff after you've taken the training wheels off. But you, you gotta try it, you know? Give it a shot. You don't you don't know how how life-changing something like woodworking could be unless you um give it a shot it's 
it's it's it's damn near spiritual if i might say but you know what i would say is someone who wants to let me get back on on course for someone who wants to try woodworking you don't have to spend a lot of money um you can you're more than welcome to but you don't have to there's a lot of wood out there that's sitting there and people are just going to burn it they're just going to throw it in the dumpster it's going to end in the landfill it just takes a little bit of elbow grease to kind of take it apart but hey it's free in the end and if you mess up there's plenty of it around that would be basic information but number one is is to try i hope that answers your question i hope i didn't lose you there you did not lose me man i heard everything you said and everyone listening heard everything you said and those are words to live by you know don't run before you can walk don't expect to be perfect from the beginning you start where you start and you just go from there and it's all about growth and it's all about learning and it's all about experiences and you take all of that and eventually you mold it into your business and where you want to be your style your style because you you after a while you developed your own personal style your own personal niche which which in in my case people have actually gravitated to you know and so my clients are awesome they they give me the the ability to be as free what i as i want and part of the joy that i get is is trying to do my absolute best and surprise them with with i like i like that shock face i like that oh my god i had no idea what you were going to do but i knew it was going to be good um, i i feed off of that that is such a high Sorry, Darryl, I, I, I had to share that. Daryl, I, I am over here smiling because I just, I hear, I hear the passion in your voice. I love that. I love hearing somebody who is following their dreams and is being successful at it at the same time. So congratulations on all your success so far. I want to thank you so much for sitting down with us and talking and sharing your story and and helping yeah. people who are listening. Just thank you very much for your time. And I wish you all the continued success that I know is coming your way, man. You got to love what you do. And I do. So that's the bottom line, I guess. Thank you so much for having me. Coincidentally, uh, my, my godson is named it's a so, good name. It's a good name. name. Yeah, great name. Ethan, you know what? Here, this might be. Uh, I found that every Ethan that I've met have been highly intelligent dudes. Is it is just a coincidence? And I've met a lot of Ethans in my life, and I've kept track, and everyone has been mind-blowingly intelligent. So, I don't know. That's just a side note. Well, Forgive I'm- me. I'm definitely gonna leave. I'm definitely gonna leave that in the podcast. That that's staying. That is okay. that is where that is where no. I want to end it. Done. Done. Thank no. you. 
Thanks so much for listening to Building a Furniture Brand with Ethan Abramson. If you liked what you heard, you can subscribe to this podcast anywhere you like to listen. To learn more about the show, you can visit buildingafurniturebrand.com. And feel free to reach out anytime to say hey, ask a question, or suggest a guest for future episodes. Our email is hello at buildingafurniturebrand.com. You can follow along with me on Instagram at thebuildwithethan, and I can't wait to bring you the next episode. This show is produced and edited by me, Ethan Abramson. Hope you enjoyed, and thanks so much for listening. The Building a Furniture Brand with Ethan Abramson podcast is proudly part of the Woodpreneur Network, the media network and community for wood entrepreneurs. Check out woodpreneurlife.com for more information.